All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications when we release a new video, which happens quite frequently, and of course, upvote the video itself. And tell us where we're wrong in the comment section. If you do all that, it should be a lot of fun. Anyway, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. John Garcia is back. We have him back in the house, and we were going through positions, and we had a little break before we could get to the O-line, but uh, always good to have you back, John. Likewise, brother. Good to be back on with you, and, and yeah, there's, there's, always, there's never enough time to talk O-linemen, so happy to dig into it. Yeah, exactly. I think we should just, you know, go back in time a little bit with Jaden Williams, who he surprisingly just took the left tackle spot um, at Ole Miss this year. Ole Miss recruited Mason Brooks. They had a plan for their O-line, but Jaden Williams kind of had different intentions. Talk about Jaden Williams a little bit. Yeah, this is kind of his M.O., right? He's a guy who kind of sneaks up on you. Coming out of Conway, Arkansas, he was more of a two-sport flex player, right? He was 6'4", 6'5", 260, right? So he wasn't this no-brainer Sam Pittman offensive line recruit. So naturally, the Hogs weren't all in on him. He wasn't 320 pounds, ready to road grade. So once Arkansas kind of never prioritized him, the door was wide open. But I think that caused a little bit of pause in in how some of these schools maybe viewed Williams as a prospect. But if you go back a couple years, he's playing basketball, he was playing tight end, defensive end, in addition to some offensive tackles. So truly a long, lean, athletic jack-of-all-trades. But when you talk about development uh, and putting weight on him, which is you know easier to do in an SEC strength and, and nutritional program, it was really a projection. But the athleticism he showed and all those other fronts combined with the expected bulk – would, would be uh, something advantageous for somebody willing to take that shot. But the surprise is it only took a year and a half to do it. You know, we thought that was maybe going to be a two, three-year kind of deal, and that's why it was Ole Miss kind of running away with the recruitment, like Sprinkle of Missouri, a couple other schools, but he wasn't a high-level kid. Um, but now he's, he's bought in, he's at Ole Miss, and obviously, uh, like you said, he wrecked uh, the other plans at the left tackle position. But when you look at him, he always had the frame and the athleticism and the footwork, it was just about putting on the weight and allowing him to be a little bit more physically ready to handle mainly the run blocking duties in the SEC West. But here he is, uh, kind of the surprise of, of the offensive line. But that's really been his MO from the beginning, a guy who has, has shown a quick turnaround in a short amount of time. And, and I think this is one of the more unique stories, not only on the Ole Miss roster, but across all the SEC offensive linemen, uh, especially because – he was a kid, you know, Conway, Arkansas. He's not a Dallas kid or an Atlanta kid where everybody kind of gets this exposure. So I think this was a really great um, identification and evaluation from the Ole Miss coaching staff, obviously paying off sooner than, than maybe even they expected. Yeah, and this is actually on the offensive line, their first success story because they're so portal heavy. This is a high school kid that they recruited that has come good for Jake Thornton and the guy. So that leads us to kind of the star of this class on the offensive line. Bryson Sanders from Chattanooga, Tennessee, kind of, I think, projects on the interior offensive line. What about him? 
Yeah, I think the interior is the safest bet now. Kind of the opposite of Williams, right? A kid who is physically there right now and a dominant run blocker right now. So easier to project him either as a right tackle or as an interior blocker. And as a senior early on, we've seen a lot of the same from Bryson Sanders, just elite at the point of attack, plays with great leverage despite being 6'5", 6'6", carries his 300 pounds extremely well, and has that tenacity that you want from an interior guy, a guy who's built uh, for the run game. He can get to the second level. We see him pulling and kicking out a little bit more as a senior as opposed to what we saw on tape as a junior. You're certainly going to look for a little bit more in the pass protection you know, perspective from Sanders. But look, it's Chattanooga, Tennessee, right? It's it's old school downhill type of football, and you get that in those, those private school leagues that he plays uh, for and, and against. Uh, and so I think that's another nod to his game. He's doing it against – really strong competition it's not something that everybody is as aware about you know it's not memphis uh it's not an area of the south where everybody knows there's great football but you turn on the tape and it's knox catholic it's endsworth academy it's programs that you've heard of at a very high level relative to recruiting and bryson has looked really good against those those types of programs so i think that was a really big win uh, for lane kiff and jake thornton and company when he popped right he was a big priority for tennessee a couple other schools so that was a big head-to-head sec recruiting win and it looks like he's going to fit as an interior guy or potentially a right tackle if he can develop a little bit more in that pass protection uh, perspective do you think he has the footwork i mean to be able to develop into a right tackle I think so. You know, he's he's pretty quick. You know, he's efficient with his movement as well, which is, I think, maybe the most important trait for an offensive lineman after, you know, the, the size and the leverage. You got to be able to, to make every step count. And I think in that regard, he could probably do it. But it's just tough with the taller, heavier guys because these pass rushers are getting smaller and thinner, right? And, and they're lower to the ground. These, these Von Miller types that are bending at 255 pounds, it's harder to get to those guys. So naturally the safer projection is inside, but who knows? I mean, with the development we've seen with some of these offensive linemen on campus, you know, maybe that's something that he could add to his arsenal. And, and two years from now, we could be talking about him as a bit of a surprise relative to his position at least. Yeah, for sure. So who are some of the other 2023 offensive linemen that we need to be keeping an eye on for as Ole Miss fans? Yeah, I think DJ Chester's probably uh, the, the most easy to see kid out of McDonough, Georgia. Uh, it's going to be a clear SEC battle for him, right? Auburn has been involved. LSU got him on campus uh, recently. Ole Miss, I think in two weeks, is supposed to get him back on campus. That, that might be uh, an official visit, uh, and, and that means he's getting closer to decision time. So I think the timing here could be really nice for Ole Miss. Similar to Bryson in his game, right? A kid over 300 pounds, probably built – for the interior, but depending on how his body develops, could maybe potentially flex out to that right tackle spot. So a guy who may be a swing prospect at the next level. Every offensive line needs that guy who could play one, two, maybe even three different positions up front. So Chester is one of the the bigger names to keep an eye on going forward out of the state of Georgia. And then uh, going uh, next door to Alabama, I'm keeping an eye on Bison Lang, a kid out of Pike Road uh, High School, which which is the same high school that produced Quinshawn Judkins, of course. And you watch him dominate last year as, as a senior, and you couldn't help but notice this massive left tackle that he was running behind. Um, and similar to Chester and Sanders, Lang is a guy who was very much equipped 
for the run game. Uh, and that one has become a little bit more of an intense battle. Tennessee, Missouri, uh, among the schools involved there. Auburn could be getting more involved for him as well. So um, as usual for Ole Miss, right in the thick of it, with a couple of, of big-time SEC offensive line prospects uh, that can play a variety of positions. So, you know, if things break the right way, this could be one of the positional group strengths of, of this Ole Miss class of 23. All right, and we're going to change the subject just a little bit here, and I'm just going to get your opinion on something. Georgia Tech, if they move on from Jeff Collins, Coach Prime would be an unbelievable fit for that job, right? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I think what people – underestimated about him was how quickly everything would resonate under his leadership um, and obviously hit the ground running is an understatement at, at Jackson State the recruiting has has speaks for itself right beyond his own kids he's been able to go head-to-head -head with multiple power five schools via high school and the portal simultaneously which is really what you have to do and I think what makes it interesting about Georgia Tech with him not only is is he built to recruit at the highest level, it's going to happen, right? We, we know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and at which school. But Atlanta in particular, what a fit that might be. Obviously, he has ties to the area, having played for the Braves and the Falcons. Uh, but even beyond that, just recruiting the South in a hotbed metro area like Atlanta, uh, my gosh, I couldn't imagine uh, the impact that could potentially have at a school like Georgia Tech. The academics are tough. Everyone knows it's tough to recruit at GT, but if anyone could find that balance and galvanize that program, uh, I think he could be maybe the perfect fit for it. But the question is, what other jobs become available, right? Mm -hmm. We've already seen Nebraska come open. We've seen Arizona State come open. GT, we're waiting on. You know, What about some of these other schools that, that could potentially be on that bubble, particularly in that corridor from Texas to, to South Florida, any schools in that footprint, you got to feel really good about uh, Deion Sanders at least getting a phone call, if not an interview, and, and being a leading candidate. So patience yeah. will, will reward him financially, certainly, uh, but maybe with a better opportunity as well. So I think uh, it's going to be a, another fascinating coaching carousel in 2022. So, so how is the uncertainty at Auburn and the weird booster stuff that's going on affecting their recruiting right now? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a dreadful start. I mean, I think everyone at Auburn would tell you that, right? A dreadful start to the class. It has gotten better here recently. I do think they're starting to pick up a little bit. They've gotten to the double digits on the commitment list front. Uh, they've got some NIL stuff that is starting to come together. Um, but I think just it was such a hole early in the cycle for Auburn that's really tough to claw out of. And then you pair that with an on-field product that is questionable at best, and it's really hard to sell the future of that program under Brian Harson. Now, there's still an entire, what, eight games left or so on the schedule to reverse some of that, but, you know, Auburn's going to open up SEC play this weekend. Missouri comes to town, and I've never talked about a, a Missouri, you know, road trip being a huge game for both parties, but it feels like the loser of this Auburn-Missouri game, that coaching staff is going to get a whole lot more question marks uh, headed their way. So, you know, from the Auburn perspective, you can't lose this one. This is as must-win as it gets uh, early in, in Harson's tenure. So it was a big hole. They're starting to climb out of it a little bit, but there's still a lot of room to get over the next couple of humps, and it's got to start to resonate on the field before it could uh, really ever get going at a at a Auburn-worthy pace uh, in recruiting.
Yeah, and, and who would have thought this Auburn-Missouri game? One player that I'm watching for in that game, I think, is Luther Burden. Oh, yeah. Uh, I see shades of Jeremy Macklin in that kid's game. Yeah, it does everything, right? I mean, a kid uh, you can hand the ball to, you can certainly throw it to. He's great in the return game. Uh, hitting the ground running as a true freshman, big understatement here uh, for Bird. And, and look, Auburn is is one of these programs that always has a good secondary. There's NFL guys in this secondary this year as well. So it could be that simple. Does that group collectively come together to slow him down in that passing attack that's been pretty good early in the season? Or uh, does Burden finally, you know, break out on a national stage against an SEC opponent, which could be some, you know, locking up some early uh, freshman All-American conversations around him. It, it could be that simple for both of these teams because Auburn's offense isn't exactly setting the world on fire from a points perspective. Uh, so any advantage Missouri has like this one, it's one that that's worthy of a, a bigger microscope. Absolutely. Anyway, get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Everyday host Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. That's Locked On SEC. John, welcome back, buddy. Um, thank you so much, and this was awesome as always, man. Always a pleasure, boss. Take care. All right, you too.